the station with more hair, more flair, yet so debonair. Radioinfluence.com Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close, if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Oh, we're closing it out. We have reached the final Locktober edition of Three Dog Thursday. can't believe the month of October is about to be over with after we get through this weekend, but that is, in fact, the case. We're back. We're back with more insight, with more analysis, and more underdogs on the show. And here is the guy that gives us all kinds of great information, facts, figures, points of view. He is senior handicapper and writer from VegasInsider.com. Kevin Rogers back with me on Three Dog Thursday. How you feeling as we close out October? Doing well, doing well. You know, hit the two college games last week, lost the NFL game. But, uh, you know, we're, we're getting to a groove here, and, and a lot of things have settled, which is good. But uh, we've got to keep it up now this week. Well, certainly last week uh, you were able to come up with two successful college underdogs with Illinois and Kansas State. I bow to you because you had Kansas State the right week. I had them the previous week, and they were not good against TCU. You had them correctly still at home against Oklahoma, and you come away uh, with a cover in that one. So two out of three for you in that instance. Uh, For me, unfortunately, a one-for-three week, I did get Tulane with the late cover. The green wave uh, at one point was down, Kevin, 34-7 to to USF, but rallied with 21 late points, 14 of them in the final few minutes of the game to get the old backdoor three-dog Thursday cover. So kudos to them. I don't know what happened to Michigan in the second half. They were in the game. Penn State's good, but I don't know if they're that good. They certainly put it on Jim Harbaugh and company, blew them out, so I missed on that one. And you and I both in the NFL had NFL teams that were hanging in. We'll talk about NFL football a little bit later on uh, with our underdog picks. But you had Cincinnati, which at one point was tied 14-all with Pittsburgh late in the first half. I had the Packers, who were beating the Saints uh, into the second half. Uh, only to have Drew Brees and company come back on them at, at Lambeau. So it's kind of what might have been. You almost had a three-for-three three week if Cincinnati could have hung in there for you. Well, the good news is the Bengals didn't give a touchdown after being tied at 14. The bad news is they gave five field goals to the Steelers and a fake punt. And just, uh, look, Pittsburgh's really good defensively. I think we see that, you know, even that Jacksonville game where, where Ben Roethlisberger got picked off five times. Jacksonville's offense really did nothing in that game. They had a meaningless 90-yard touchdown run at the end. And then against the Chiefs, they shut them down. And, and look, they're really good defensively. They've got to figure out their offensive issues, even though they have an elite running back and elite receiver and a future Hall of Fame quarterback. But uh, when you look at the Bengals, they've been playing better. And uh, they had that slow start. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, they just couldn't do enough against Pittsburgh. Well, and interestingly, uh, to stay in the state of Ohio, something that uh, I think you and I have talked about it on one previous occasion. I mentioned it in other outlets. The Cleveland Browns, what a mess they are. And they're in London this weekend to play the Minnesota Vikings. At the time we're talking, they've announced that they will go back to Deshaun Kaiser, going back and forth. Who's the starter? Is Kevin Hogan going to play? I mean, clearly for Cleveland, they could have had Carson Wentz a year ago, passed on him, uh, made a trade. And, and and accumulated players and picks, and now uh, could have had Deshaun Watson 
early on at the top of this draft chose not to take him and instead they're subjecting their fans to Cody Kessler and Kevin Hogan and guys that that in no way are going to be the future of their franchise I mean they are making it almost impossible for the Browns fans at this point. The Cleveland management, the front office, with the the decisions and the bumbling of what they've done here, Kevin. What are your thoughts? Well, a couple of things. Number one, you know, it's this analytical thought of the guy who came from Moneyball, who, right. who then went to the Mets, and then it's like it, it doesn't work in football. Like it does in baseball. Baseball is too many one-on-one matchups. Football, there's everybody's got to be in sync. And I think. I think that's what Dirk Cutter said um, when talking about that. I believe he's the one that mentioned like everyone has to be in sync on this. It can't just be you can't do one-on-one matchups, and you know it's not working for the Browns. What I don't understand is this whole idea of you know we have to accumulate these picks and we have to try to get the most value for it. Look what the Atlanta Falcons did years ago. They said screw it, we're going to give up all these draft picks to Julio Jones, and, and how did that work out? And who did they trade with? The Cleveland Browns, who could have exactly. taken Julio Jones exactly. Yes. But, but I mean, the point is that you have these teams are like, you know what? Just give me the best player, and you know what? If you would have had Carson Wentz or Deshaun Watson or, or whoever, see, I don't believe in the oh, the Browns are are cursed or anything. No, no, they just need to get better players, and if right. they get better players then they'll be better and they will be a viable team in the NFL. They just keep picking bad players. That's the problem. I never think that a team is cursed. You could say that about the Cubs. What happened? They ended up winning a World Series. Right. The Red Sox ended up winning a World Like It's going to turn around if you just get the right guys in there. And I think that's just the biggest problem is they keep missing because they're trying to outsmart everyone. You know what? When you are you know not even under 500, but when you're a 2-3 win team every year, you're not outsmarting anybody. Just get the best player, build around him, and go from there. And most importantly, it is such a quarterback-driven league. You know this, and most of the audience knows this. And you have not solved that for years and years and years. It's a revolving door in Cleveland, and they had the opportunity to solve it last year or this year. They have not. And again, we'll see how they do Uh, coming in London. All right, so that's the pro football part of this. Speaking of pro football, I want to tell the audience that coming up in our middle segment, we'll bring on from the Buffalo Bills, their radio broadcast, their flagship station, WGR Radio, the terrestrial radio station in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio does a great job. I'm laughing because he's the unelected mayor of Buffalo. I will explain more having been in Buffalo with my Buccaneers, Kevin Rogers, this past weekend and watching the Bills come back to beat the Bucs and go to 4-2. and Uh, on the season. Sal will be here. Sal is a big, uh, not only NFL guy, but a big college football guy. He has an underdog to pick as well in college uh, as well as the NFL, so he's eager and anxious uh, to be part of Three Dog Thursday for a lot of reasons. I want the fans to stay tuned and hear that. So uh, That's coming up with him. Then you and I will be back to make some NFL picks much later on after Sal. College football on the brain for this week. A a week after we saw at the top, uh, as I mentioned, Penn State put it on Michigan State. How about no Notre Dame all over USC. Uh, Alabama is still Alabama. That is 11 straight wins over Tennessee in the rivalry game. So the, so for the heavyweights, we're seeing them get it done. Uh, Oklahoma, who you win against on Three Dog Thursday, they're still vying for a spot maybe in the college football playoff. They actually ended up having some problems with Kansas State trailing a lot of the game, but the Sooners get the win. So the heavyweights had a pretty good week last week is my point. Quick thought from you on that. Yeah, I mean, you see Notre Dame obviously dismantling USC, and I think we can close the book on USC right now. 
and what they have done this season. And Notre Dame's only loss came to Georgia, who's still undefeated, and Georgia gets Florida this week. But, uh, you know, you mentioned Oklahoma. And Oklahoma was a team that, you know, looked pretty dominant to start off. They had a really good win at Ohio State earlier in the year. But then they slip up against Iowa State. They blow that big lead, and they still come back and beat Texas. They were down to Kansas State before, you know, they have come back. And yeah, I still am not ready to close the book in Oklahoma. You know, you still have TCU. You still have Oklahoma State on the schedule. So you'll win those games I, and, and the Big 12 title game. You know, you could win those three games. You, you still got a shot to be in there depending on what happens because who thought Clemson would lose to Syracuse? You know, who thought Washington would lose to Arizona State? So there are things that can still happen coming up and even Georgia. I could see them, you know, getting tripped up somewhere down the line. I mean, the only team it seems like is really – you know, Teflon is Alabama, but past that, I think everyone else, you know, has a shot to lose somewhere. I mean, who knows if Penn State will lose to Ohio State and really, you know, mess things up. We have a ton of one-loss teams coming up, and, and that can be the case for Oklahoma to sneak back in. How about that? But how about this is the 10th consecutive year where Alabama goes into the bye week to play LSU ranked at least in the top five? That I mean, that is amazing how good they have been, and a lot of times they've been number one, like they are right here. So it tells you what Nick Saban has been able to do uh, at Alabama and the standard that they've set. And again, Tennessee used to be a rivalry game. It's not a rivalry game anymore if you can't ever win. And the Vols are 0 for 11 now uh, at this point. All right, so with that being said, we've got college football underdogs on the brain you're going to go with one. I am going to go with two. I will get things started in the Big 12. Speaking of Oklahoma and the Big 12, Oklahoma State, TCU vying for things. So, too, is West Virginia. And Oklahoma State traveling for a second straight early kickoff on the road. Last week they had the early kickoff in Austin, Texas. They struggled with the Longhorns, uh, only scored 10 points in regulation, uh, tied the game with a field goal in the fourth quarter, won the game eventually in overtime, 13-10. to Now they're on the road for a second straight weekend, this time at Morgantown. And Will Greer has been lighting it up as the, as the uh, West Virginia quarterback uh, right now with five 300-yard passing games in a row. Out of five touchdowns in a game back-to-back weeks. I think West Virginia getting the seven points at home can hang with Oklahoma State, if not win this game. Uh, it is a revenge game for them. They lost last year in Stillwater. A lot of the same players on the team. Greer didn't play as he was sitting out. But I like West Virginia in this spot against Oklahoma State, which would damage uh, Oklahoma State after their loss to TCU, it would basically eliminate them from the playoff if West Virginia can get this game, Kevin. But I, I like them on Three Dog Thursday to start us off here and, and the Mountaineers. Dana Holgerson, a former Oklahoma State assistant, too, while we're at it. So I, I got all kinds of little tidbits and inroads to this game, but I'm I'm smelling Mountaineers to keep it closer to maybe win this thing. Yeah, it's definitely a tough spot for the Cowboys going, you know, to Texas, winning that game in overtime, and then they got to go back home and travel out to West Virginia, which is obviously, you know, out of all the schools in the in the Big uh, 12 that uh, is out of the area. So, you know, it's never easy to travel over there. And for West Virginia, you know, they could put up points. And the only thing I wonder is, you know, Oklahoma State's laying seven. That kind of says a lot. That, that's what worries me a little bit about West Virginia, that you think if the, you know, the spread was a little bit lower, that's one thing. But uh, for it being what it is, I don't know if Oklahoma State has this bust-out game you know, they get back on track offensively. But, I mean, I don't really have an opinion on the game. But uh should be better, very entertaining. And, obviously, you know, West Virginia, we'll see 
where they land in this whole thing, you know, if they can, you know, beat Oklahoma down the stretch and beat Oklahoma State, that, you know, maybe where, where they lie in, in the uh, conference. Again, Mason Rudolph is the outstanding quarterback for Oklahoma State, and they, they have their eyes on possible college football playoff here themselves with an opportunity to win this game and win out and maybe control their own destiny. They would need some help with TCU losing, who's undefeated. But that's an early start. That is a noon start in Morgantown for that matchup on Saturday, West Virginia and Oklahoma State. For college football purposes, Kevin, where would you like to go for an underdog, sir? I'll go to the SEC, and South Carolina takes on Vanderbilt. And we talked about Vanderbilt earlier in the season. They were 3-0 and out of the shoot. They had a nice win over Kansas State at home. They destroyed Middle Tennessee State. And, you know, you say, oh, Vanderbilt. You know, maybe they could be a team that could do something in the SEC East. Then they play Alabama, and Alabama <laughs> games like 700-10 to 10 or something in that game, something ridiculous. And then we're like, oh, okay, that's Vanderbilt. Okay, we're, we're back now. But, uh, you know, Vandy hasn't won a game yet in conference play. Now they go to South Carolina where the Gamecocks, they perform well this year under Will Muschamp. And, you know, they have some nice underdog wins. They, they beat North Carolina State, who's turned into a really good team in the opener in Charlotte. They won at Missouri and, uh, as an underdog. And obviously Missouri, we, we know, is underachieved this year, or at least what they, we thought they would be. And also, South Carolina, you know, they, they've been a team that has been successful on the road. Uh, oh, Tennessee's the other game I, I forgot right. about, that they won that ugly game at Tennessee. Yep. But the problem is, though, as a favorite, they haven't been great. They lost at home to Kentucky. They barely beat Louisiana Tech. And now it's only their third time in the favorite role, and they just haven't looked good when they're laying points. And last year – when Vandy played South Carolina in the opener, Vandy was up 10 nothing at the half at home, and then South Carolina scored 13 nothing in the second half to win as a short underdog, and now all of a sudden South Carolina is a touchdown favorite back at home. Vandy, for as bad as they've been, you know what, they still play good competition so far. I think that Vandy can get this one. You know, Even if they don't end up winning the game, I think they cover. And South Carolina's Georgia and Florida on deck. Yep. Maybe they feel a little bit good about themselves. So I think that Vandy here is worth a look against South Carolina. Yeah, Muschamp's won a couple of close games. You mentioned the win there in Knoxville. And again, these are two teams that have been muddling down at the bottom of the SEC East. So we'll see how that one plays out with Vandy getting the points. I will go back up to the top of the SEC East for my other underdog. The now famous, don't call it the outdoor cocktail party game. The SEC wanted the schools to go away from that, stop, you know, get rid of the moniker of the drinking and the partying in and around this game. So it's the don't call it the cocktail party game with Florida and Georgia in Jacksonville. And both teams off the bye week, Florida very much needing it after smarting with two home losses against LSU and Texas A&M. It just shows you that in the SEC, you can't take anything really for granted because uh, LSU coming in and getting that huge win for them, really, it looked like there was some carryover effect for Florida the following week. They lose to A&M. They now have a bye week. They now play Georgia. Something just says to me, rivalry game here against the Bulldogs. Boy, talk about dominance in the series, Kevin. Florida 21-5 and in the last 26 meetings, going back to Steve Spurrier taking it to Ray Goff and Jim Donnan. Remember those names back in the 90s? You go back 26 years in the rivalry, the Gators have been really good, including Jim McElwain winning his two matchups head-to-head against Georgia. Now, obviously, Georgia's got the better offense, the better run game. They're averaging over 480 yards a game, uh, and a lot of that on the ground. 
So, uh, needless to say, Florida's going to have their hands full, but I like that 14-point line in a rivalry game where everybody's counting Florida out. They're good defensively. I don't know that Florida's going to score a bunch, but I think they're going to hang in there with Georgia in this game and give them some problems, and I will take the 14 on Three Dog Thursday. Uh, do you have an opinion uh, here about whether Georgia rolls in this game or not? Do you think I'm uh, I'm off base here and that Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle are going to run it up on them and roll on? You know, we saw a few years ago that Florida was getting 11.5 against Georgia and they destroyed them. And I agree with the everyone thinks Florida's down and out and Georgia is going to play Alabama in the SEC title game. But yet, and again, I hate the cliches. Yeah, anything can happen but with rivals. But when you have these two together, you just never know. And Florida's offense, yeah, it's terrible. But at the same time, they've, they've been able to surprise George over the years. And granted, it felt like that was when Mark Rick was the coach. Now that Kirby Smart is there, that's not happening as much. But for Jim McElwain, is this the saving grace? Is this the, you know, you beat Georgia and this really helps your job security? It's a lot of points to lay with Georgia. I just think that Florida can hang. And I never like to say to take a team if you don't think they're going to win. But I, I think that Florida, if you have a good defensive team, you know you can hang. And, and that's the key. And I could see Florida staying in this game against Georgia. One thing that they cannot do, the Gators, is turn the ball over. And we've seen that from Felipe Franks, the young quarterback. His first taste of the rivalry. Of course, Georgia's got a freshman quarterback, too, in Jake Fromm. And if, if Jake Fromm learns anything, it's don't make mistakes in this game with the Gators in the big rivalry game. Uh, because half of that stadium will be orange and blue. Half of it will be red and black. It's it's some scene in Jacksonville. We'll see how it plays out. I just I like the points there with Florida for Three Dog Thursday uh, purposes. Uh, do you have uh, where neither one of us are taking Penn State in the big showdown with Ohio State uh, Saturday afternoon? Do you have a quick thought here on Buckeyes and unbeaten Nittany Lions on that matchup? How eager are you to see what happens in that one? You mentioned earlier in the year Ohio State beaten by Oklahoma, Penn State undefeated. What do you think? It's a revenge game that Ohio State lost last year at Happy Valley to Penn State on the block field goal. So that's in the back of Ohio State's minds. And obviously, if Ohio State can win this game, it totally messes everything up in the Big Ten. That uh, now it feels like everyone's alive there to win that side. The Michigan State's still alive, and Penn State has them coming up. And uh, it, it really complicates things in the Big Ten. I just kind of wonder, you know, with this line, I'd say how big it is, but that, you know, Ohio State's laying that much that if Ohio State, you know, is going to come out and, and really take care of business this week. You know what? If Penn State goes in there and they win, that that's a great job by James Franklin and the Nittany Lions. Then they are really in a good spot to be in the top four. Then that that's very impressive that they can go in there and win that game. And Saquon Barkley right now, another big stage for him to potentially lock up the Heisman already. You know, you've got a lot of football games still to play in November and early December, but this would be enormous for him if he has a big game on that stage after he was great uh, against Michigan the other night on the big stage. We'll see how that plays out. Kevin, hang in there. We're going to come back and talk NFL underdogs with you. He's got a couple of them for us in our final segment. Coming up straight ahead, Sal Capaccio will be here. Sal Sports from Buffalo and the Bills Radio broadcast at WGR Radio. He's a Three Dog Thursday fan. We'll explain more straight ahead as Three Dog Thursday continues. Stay with us three dog thursday brought to you in part by fanplayoff.com play postseason fantasy football like you never have before for free coming this january 
Find out more by going to fanplayoff.com. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. Well, as we do roll on, I did have the pleasure of being with our next guest this past weekend. Uh, The pleasure was having fun with him the night before my Buccaneers were beaten by his Buffalo Bills. My sideline brother from another mother with the Buffalo Bills radio broadcast and WGR radio is Sal Capaccio. And I am designating this man as the unelected mayor of Buffalo because everywhere we went, they know who Sal is. And here he is on Three Dog Thursday. Good to be with you on the radio this time. It is. Uh, two things. Number one, it's funny because you say that, and like there were some people, but it's normally even more than that. And I'm not saying that to be big time, but it's funny because my wife makes fun of me all the time. We can't go anywhere. She calls me the same thing my mom does. But normally it's even more so uh, when I'm out and about that uh, approached us, which was kind of funny that you say that. So it must be a lot. But well, the other thing is, I'll say this, after 20-something years to finally befriend you, be able to take you out, after listening to you on the radio when I was at Little WENG down in Englewood, Florida, uh, you are as great of a dude in person as I thought you were on the radio. Well, and, and, and how about this as a total blast for the past uh, on this show, and we've been doing this as a national digital show for three seasons now. Sal used to listen to me doing local radio in Tampa Bay, doing a Thursday, Three Dog Thursday, three-hour show, and you were a fan of it and trying to pick underdogs, and so much so that you now do radio in Buffalo, and you do what on Saturdays as far as underdogs are concerned? I do Three Dogs Saturday. I stole it from, apparently, you. I thought it was Chris Thomas. I don't know. I know he was doing it, too. So I always gave credit to Chris Thomas. I'll now have to give credit to T.J. Reeves as well. Yes. But I always made sure. I said, this is not my bit, but it was a great bit, and I used to love it. And I know that uh, the, the late, great Chris Thomas uh, did, and, and you apparently did. And, and the thing is, I travel with the Bills for away games. So during home weekends, I'm generally on the air, not all the time, on Saturdays, and I do a midday show. And it's a great segment. It's Three Dog Thursday, and it's really popular. And I just give my three dogs. I keep my record, and I keep track. So, yeah, that's, that, that's the sincerest form of Yes, flattery. I told you that when we met up, and we had talked about this before, that there are two levels to this. If you, if you watch while we digress, if you watch Shark Tank at all with the Sharks, and Mark Cuban says this on just about every episode or at least every second or third episode, he says there's two stages to it. You're going to have your success, and then you're going to have everybody trying to copy you and imitate you, and you're going to have lawsuits and copyrights and whatever that's the sincerest <laughs> compliment that you can have that what you have works and is a great idea is everybody wants to copy it so that's You're a great compliment then, right? no of course not i just i will rely on right. you for for more buffalo wings when i come to buffalo <laughs> when that is uh Absolutely. when that's the case all right so your bills uh, Wait, did you like? Did you like beef on weck? I have to ask you. Did you beef, like beef on, on weck? weck was good. I mean, and for those that don't know, that's a roast beef sandwich on a. Describe it. It's a weck bun, right? I had not had that before. It's a, a Kimmelweck. It's called a Kimmelweck roll. It's a salty type of roll. Now you actually had it on a Kimmelweck kind of a pretzel roll, which is different. <laughs> then you put the horseradish on if you want, but it is a buffalo staple along with chicken wings. Then this is the reason why the man is the unelected mayor and the chamber of commerce for Buffalo, because he knows that when you come to Florida, you come to Tampa, as you know you gotta have a Cuban sandwich on the Cuban bread with the ham and the yep. and the roast pork and the pickle and the mustard and it's a Cuban sandwich, but in Buffalo it's beef on weck. So we get it we get it done that way. All right, so enough about food. We got underdogs on the brain. Your Buffalo Bills, I mean they they are an 
underdog team uh, this season as a theme with a new coach in Sean McDermott. I got to see it firsthand as you did on Sunday. They found a way to win. They had some magic with Tyrod Taylor with the defense with a timely turnover. Uh, they get the win. Just say something about the Bills because they, they, they've been quite an underdog story right now that maybe not a lot of people expected to be 4-2. and two. Yeah, this is a 180-degree different team from last year under Rex Ryan in every single way, uh, whether it be the communications department, which that flipped over, the front office that flipped over, the head coach, of course, all the assistants. It's a completely different type of head coach. Uh, this one is not looking for headlines. He's not going to be eating dog biscuits at training camps and putting Clemson helmets on his head and boisterous. This is a very, very uh, low-key, addicted to the process of what it takes to win football coach and Sean McDermott. They turned over the roster, over half the guys. People thought this team was tanking. Uh, they traded Sammy Watkins. They traded Ronald Darby. Uh, they got extra picks next year, but that is not the case. This was a plan from the beginning. They felt they could be good. Now, I see some concerns as they're going on, even though they're 4-2, and two, but the bottom line is they are 4-2, and two, and they're finding ways to win, and I really like what Sean McDermott and this front office is building long-term in Buffalo. People don't realize they're 4-2 and two right now, but, TJ, they have six picks in the first three rounds next year, two firsts, two seconds, two thirds. This is a team that is really trying to sustain themselves for long-term success. Well, that's a good point that you make that a lot of people maybe didn't realize. They've got a chance to really build and be good for three years, five years, seven years with a good young nucleus of players uh, with how they assemble that. So that was quite the atmosphere, too, at New Era Field. Uh, And you were speaking to that not only to me, but you put it on social media about how raucous it was for the Bills fans, who are raucous anyway, prior to the game with with the different stuff going on at the tailgates. But that that was some atmosphere in Buffalo. Yeah, you know, we... um... We get a lot of uh, all the, the knuckleheads here that are on social media putting themselves through tables and lighting themselves on fire and <laughs> doing a dizzy bat and running into a bus. But I, I'm here to tell you, for anybody listening, that's not the true Bills fan, um, that, what we represent. You know, there are people like that. They do that. Uh, those people should, to me, they're losers, to be quite honest with you. Um, the people who are the real Bills fans who've hardcore, they've been here. This is the longest drought of playoff drought the longest postseason drought in north american professional sports right now every other team in hockey football baseball and basketball has made the playoffs in the past 17 years the buffalo bills have not yet every single week this stadium is sold out with a rabid fan base tailgating rvs are pulling up two three days beforehand and they're still doing it and those are the people that we want to tell the world that those are not the representative of the real hardcore Bills fan who've been here, who've suffered and are still coming. Those people are in that stadium every day screaming their head off, and they're not trying to do that. They're not trying to be uh, a misrepresentation. And then once you get in that stadium, you heard it firsthand. I will tell you that was some of the loudest um, crowd I've heard in my four years in the sidelines when Tredavious White um, knocked that fumble away from Humphreys, and that's saying something on, on that field because it, it was tremendous. Oh, stick the knife in me even more as the Buccaneer guy on the other sideline with the fumble and the, the Bills. Hey, look, the Bills deserve it. They came and took the game down 27-20 in the final three minutes, and we're talking with Sal Capaccio. Sal Sports on Twitter uh, on Three Dog Thursday, and Sal can't wait. He's salivating to give me uh, some underdogs here in a moment, but there's one more variable here. You actually at the time we're talking, you're hurting right now because you decided to not only cover football at New Era Field, you decided to participate? What's going on? Yeah, the, my, my second time I ever played football at New Era Field, the first was I was in high school. Um, I, we, I played a championship game here. I was, a, I was a pretty good high school player in the area, and I had an interception at New Era Field, 
and we won our class championship uh, at that time. Now, that's a memory. Let's stop right there. That's a memory. I mean, good God. I mean, I would yeah. leave that alone. I wouldn't step back on New Era Field for any reason. you got to leave that right there. But now you've gone and done that. I have. I haven't. I, a buddy of mine said, um, hey, uh, we got a, a flag football tournament. You want to play on Tuesday night? It's guys. It's girls. I'm like, sure, I'll go out there. So, you know, I go out and I, I play down in Florida, actually. I played in a pretty high-level flag football type of league uh, down in the Sarasota area where had a bunch of former uh, guys who played in uh, D1, Florida State, Florida. Had a guy that played in the World League, you know, down in the Sarasota, Punta Gorda, Charlotte area, all those guys. So I'm like, yeah, I can I can play. So I get out there. I don't realize, though, that I'm now 44 years old, TJ. <laughs> and I was, I think, the oldest player in this tournament. And I, a guy catches a pass. I go to grab his flag, and as he turns, his knee goes into my thigh. And now I'm dealing with a deep thigh bruise today. And I'm literally walking around the media room, and my, my colleagues are you okay? Are you okay? You, and I have to tell them I got hurt playing flag football. I mean, you might—I might as well crawl under a rock. Yeah, you're you're walking around like a bad limp in a bad B horror movie of one of the monsters <laughs> limping around the Bills facility today. That's what you get for for trying to tarnish the memory of your interception in a state championship on the Bills field by playing flag football uh, midweek at night. Although a lot of people would love for the chance to get out there and run around on an NFL football field, so yeah. I can't I can't blame it you. It is pretty cool. I you and I are very blessed, brother. We yeah. really are. Well, uh, to hey, do what we do and be on field. I tell people all the time we've been fooling them for a long time. Let's just keep doing it and let's do it in the vein right. of underdogs. Well, first of all, I mean, we've got the Bills uh, coming this week with the Oakland Raiders. I know there was great weather last week for the Bucks game. It's going to be Buffalo Bills nasty, correct, this week for the it's, Raiders coming uh, to town, right? Yeah, you talking. You, you, we had, it was actually, I don't know if people know this, the uh, game that you were at last week, it was the. Um, warmest October home game in Bill's history, actually. 74 degrees at kickoff. Uh, that, that bested the old record of 72 degrees. So uh, that that's going to be a big change, though. We're actually, it's already dipped down into the 50s today, and we're going to be about 49 or 50 degrees with rain on Sunday. Ooh. Which, you know, honestly, not bad Buffalo weather, especially against a team like Oakland that's going to throw the ball around the yard. So I think we'll take it. But I know that people got spoiled last week, and now we're going back to kind of what we're a little bit, little bit more used to. It doesn't rain a ton. But it does, it does start to get a little bit chillier and windier, obviously, in late October games here in Buffalo, and that's what we're going to have with the Raiders coming to town. How about that? All right, so just keep an eye on that. And the Bills are actually favored in that game, so I don't expect Sal to go Oakland on Three Dog Thursday. But you want to you do college first. You want to participate on Three Dog Thursday. So give me – I have no idea. We did not rehearse this. Which way nope. are you going on Three Dog Thursday for a college underdog and why? I'm going to take the BC Eagles to cover against Woo! the Florida State Seminoles and maybe even win the game outright. And that is because if you haven't paid attention, folks, down there in Florida, your Florida State Seminoles can't score. Uh, they're averaging less than 19 points a game. I know they lost Francois early in the year. And that's hurting them. And um, they are a team that has struggled, that struggles putting the ball into the end zone, scoring points. And they're going to take on a BC team that has scored over 40 points the last two weeks, each on the road. And this is a team that now is finally uh, – kind of found their groove a little bit. Uh, they did not have a good start to the season, but they're moving the ball. They're scoring points. And I think BC at home against Florida State not only covers, but may even win How the game outright. How about that? He's calling a shot on a possible outright win. Of course, that's a Friday night game, a special Friday night ACC game, which Florida State is less than thrilled to be playing these games, but it's part of the deal with the conference. And yeah, FSU's offense has slowed almost to a crawl at this point. Uh, they made some plays in the Louisville game, and then defensively they've had issues too. So Knowles are gripping. I mean, 
we can't fathom this because, Sal, you used to be in the state. Uh, again, Kevin Rogers, who uh, hosts this show with me from Vegas Insider, he's been in the state. He's a Florida State guy. The Florida State for 35 years has been tremendous, has been in bowl games, 10-win seasons, 11, 12-win seasons, unbeaten. They may miss a bowl game this year. If they lose this game Friday night, it is, I mean, they still got to play Clemson. They still got to play Florida in the rivalry game in Gainesville. We may be talking about a Florida State season with no bowl game, brother. How wild is that? And, and, and the team that you didn't mention, they still have to play my Syracuse Orange, who looks pretty good. Yes. I mean, and, and look, it could be at Syracuse expense. Syracuse wants to be in a bowl game. They haven't been in years. And that could be, that literally could be a game that determines which team could ultimately wind up playing in the postseason. How about that? All right. So this man is hanging out with me, Sal Capaccio, WGR, Buffalo Bills Radio, a longtime uh, fan, friend of Three Dog Thursday without me knowing it. And now he's actually on the show. So it's truly Radio Twinkie Twilight Zone right now with Sal. Give me an NFL underdog. We know we know you believe the Bills are going to clobber the Raiders. That's a given. Give me an NFL underdog that you like and why. You know, this one that I don't think is going to be very popular, but if you really look at how the teams uh, are performing, I'm going to take the Chicago Bears to cover a big number at New Orleans against the Saints because the Bears are actually playing some good defense. And I looked, they're actually a top 10 defense overall in yards. They're a top 10 defense against the pass. They're going against that Drew Brees offense, which is very potent, as we know. But – they also, the Saints, have, some of those points they've gotten have come, you know, from their defense that's really done a nice job, and they're playing a little bit you better. You do than realize really the Saints, back. you do realize the Saints clobbered Carolina at Carolina. I know uh, Rodgers didn't play, but they beat the Packers at Green Bay. You think they're going to come back home and not take care of business against the Chicago Bears, who won a game last week with four completions, four from Trubisky? You think they're going to find a way to hang with the Saints? Yeah, I, th- I think the number is just too big, TJ. Look, I mean, think about what the Bears have done this year. They should have beaten Atlanta week one. They did beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they did beat the uh, last week Carolina Panthers, the same team, with basically doing it on defense and shutting them down. So I just think this is going to be a closer game than people think. I think the Bears' defense, like, look, you have, you have a rookie quarterback in Trubisky. You know John Fox is doing everything he can to just slow the game down, not allow Drew Brees to be on the field. They're going to try and run the ball. They have a good running game. They play some good defense. I think this is a within-a-touchdown game. How about that? All right, so the Bears getting nine points at the Superdome against the New Orleans Saints will be Sal's NFL underdog to go along with Boston College as a college underdog. All right, plug away here for the audience on Three Dog Thursday. If they're interested in finding you on social media for your show, the Bills coverage, fire away, Commander. Go. Thank you. Yeah, you know, it's Sal Sports on Twitter, and that's what it is. You'll get sports out of me, not, a, not politics and things like that. We're going to just talk sports, and especially Bill's coverage, especially this time of year. And if you want to uh, head over to WGR550.com, you can read about the Bills. I got all my stuff there. And, of course, we're all over the place on the radio at WGR. You can find us on apps and things like that. So if you're interested in any Bill's talk, any Three Dogs Saturday when the Bills are home, we can do that as well. <laughs> but uh, Sal Sports on Twitter for sure. And if you're in Buffalo and you need a good tour guide who can get you beef on Weck for dinner, Sal is the guy. He hooks you up in that regard, too. Took care of me last weekend. Uh, Listen, it was a treat to talk to you. Uh, Again, I I did not realize until we began to talk that you were 20 years ago a fan of Three Dog Thursday. Now you are on Three Dog Thursday. You are truly, you've come full circle here. This is outstanding to have you. And in all seriousness, again, thanks for the hospitality last week. Good luck to your Bills with the Raiders. Good luck with your underdogs. Sal Capaccio, thank you. Thank you, and I look forward to seeing you in Florida, and we'll do it again down in your turf. 
Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by FanPlayoff.com. Play postseason fantasy football like you never have before for free coming this January. Find out more by going to FanPlayoff.com. Who are this week's top dogs in pro and college football? We are back on Three Dog Thursday. Oh, yeah, we are rolling on again. Final show of October for Three Dog Thursday. It's the only digital radio show each and every week devoted exclusively to underdogs in college football and the NFL. Again, whether you found us through RadioInfluence.com or subscribe to us on iTunes. If you don't, find us on iTunes, subscribe. The same thing with Stitcher. Rate this show, rank this show, move it up so people can find out more about it, help spread the word about Three Dog Thursday through social media uh, as well. So... Uh, we're anxious as, as things uh, dwindle down here with fewer games. They get more and more important, especially in the college ranks. They magnify. They get more significant. Um, and, and, again, uh, it should be interesting to, to see what happens. It is a, uh, Kevin, just give me a quick thought. It's interesting that Sal could have gone any number of directions in the NFL, and I know you're going to make a couple of picks in a moment. He chose to go Chicago Bears against the New Orleans Saints in the Superdome. And I kind of questioned him on that because New Orleans has been so good and now they're coming back home, and that's usually a tough place to play anyway. And Chicago has kind of mystified us with how they've won their previous two games. That's an interesting out – of, out of the whole buffet, he took the Bears at, uh, at the Saints in that one. Do you think, are you thinking New Orleans is going to roll like I think New Orleans is going to roll in that game? Well, we know how good New Orleans is offensively and how much they're clicking right now over the last few weeks. And it feels kind of funny that they've done this since they traded Adrian Peterson, uh, you know, kind of, you know, in the last few weeks. I, I find it kind of funny. But, but besides the point, Chicago's won one road game since the beginning of last season, and that was at Baltimore. And that was a game that, uh, you know, they outlasted the Ravens. Mitchell Trubisky's numbers have not been good. They've covered all three games that he's been the quarterback. I, it's a tough place to play. It's just hard to back them. I'm not saying I love the Saints, but it's just a hard place to back them where, you know, Chicago has, you know, a couple overtime wins this year. I know that was, you know, earlier on, but uh, I don't know. The Bears, to me, I don't know how you win a game 17-3 to in four completions. I just don't know how you do that. And I go they have two defensive touchdowns. I just don't know how you do that and trust them again. Yeah, that's it's it's only happened four times in the last 75 years of NFL football where a team completed four or less passes and won the game, but it did happen uh, for Chicago last week. I, I think they're they're out of luck for this week uh, against the New Orleans Saints. Okay, so that leads us to our NFL predictions for this week. Where do you want to begin, Kevin? Let us begin with the team we just mentioned who lost that game, the Carolina Panthers. They are. In Tampa Bay to face the Buccaneers, if you didn't know that. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, I am aware of that, and that's uh, there's a lot of intrigue around this game. Keep going. So, Carolina this year, they have won both times as an underdog. They went to New England and beat the Patriots. They went to Detroit and beat the Lions. All right, And they've slipped up the last few weeks, losing at home to the Eagles, and we see how good the Eagles have been, and losing that game to Chicago, even though they allow five first downs and four completions. But uh, they were not able to do anything else uh, to get in the end zone. Now, Carolina had owned Tampa Bay for years. Last year, they lost twice to Tampa Bay, both in low-scoring games. And the coincidence was that Roberto Aguayo, who was the kicker for the Bucks, actually had a really good game in the game in Charlotte that they won that Monday nighter. 
and Carolina lost to Tampa Bay in Week 17, and you could normally throw out Week 17 games because they mean nothing. But this Carolina team we know is still, I don't say upper tier in the NFC, but still a playoffy type team where the Buccaneers, I don't know what kind of team they are right now. And, and yeah, they came back and they tied Buffalo last week and the Bills got the late field goal. But for the Bucs, I feel like I can never trust them at home. They played better on the road, but they went to Arizona and they got blown out, you know, losing to Buffalo. And for whatever reason, the NFC South, I feel like a lot of their divisional games have been like backloaded. So we haven't seen the divisional games yet where Tampa Bay has played Atlanta or played New Orleans or even played Carolina. So for Tampa Bay, they could try to, you know, get things going in the division, seeing how Atlanta's gone backwards, you know, and, and Carolina's been a bit up and down. But I don't know what Jameis Winston's condition is, even though he did throw for 300 yards last week and Mike Evans had a good game and O.J. Howard had a good game. I just, you know, I just don't really have a lot of faith in Tampa Bay right now laying points, and it feels like the sharp money would be on the Buccaneers, but I just don't know why. I mean, Carolina is still a pretty good team. Luke Keekley is hurt, but Carolina's an underdog has performed its best this year when they, they're getting points. Wow. And you know, obviously, the audience knows I'm associated with the Bucks radio broadcast, and again, Kevin's giving his own independent uh, opinion uh, from Vegas Insider's point of view uh, on this game. Uh, there are a couple of factors. One, the midweek signing of Roberto Aguayo by the Carolina Panthers makes an amazing, ironic storyline that Aguayo is not only back in the NFL, but the first game in the regular season he's going to kick in is against the Buccaneers in Raymond James Stadium, where he's had so many problems and so many headaches. You mentioned the even bigger irony that that his best moment probably of his rookie season, his, his only regular season with the Bucks a year ago after being a second-round pick, he won the game against the Panthers, as you said, on Monday Night Football with a last-second field goal. So the real question here is uh, is Tampa Bay's defense, and, and that has been suspect at best the last couple of weeks. Mike Smith, the former Falcons coach, is a defensive coordinator, and right now they are under siege on trying to figure out What's wrong with guys wide open all over the defense? I mean, the Bills repeatedly in key situations had tight ends, receivers wide open. Cam Newton will absolutely exploit that. You're right, Kevin. If that if that doesn't get fixed, I don't care if Greg Olson's there or not, he will find a way to exploit that with the receivers and the weapons that he has, including Christian McCaffrey now as part of that team. Dangerous spot for the Buccaneers, a Buccaneer team that a lot of people were looking at for a breakout year. You don't you don't win this game and you're two and five. That is that is a rough start. Not saying that you can't overcome it, but that is a rough start to the season. So a huge game for the Bucks, and Kevin will go Carolina Panthers. I, you, you know that I, I, I love being with you. I love being on the show with you. But this is one of those cases where I don't want you to be right. You understand that, right? I, I don't want you to be right in this instance. I want you to be wrong in this sense. You get that, right? With me, with you, with the Bucks, right? Well, the good news is if Carolina wins, then it helps the show out. And if the Bucks win, then it helps you out. That's so, right. So kind of a win-win you're, situation. You're looking at it as a win-win. This is what I love about yeah. you. We can win either way yeah. on that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's why you're my guy on this. I'm, I'm going to swing all the way to the Pacific Northwest with my NFL underdog. And I like the Houston Texans coming off of the bye week to play the Seattle Seahawks. I know the Seahawks came all the way east and and uh, took it to Eli and the Giants. I mean, go figure the NFL, right, Kevin, where the Giants go to Denver on a Sunday night with the Broncos off a of bye week playing at home and handle them, beat them easily, and then come back home against a Seattle team that has to come all the way cross-country as well 
and lay a complete egg. And I know Seattle's defense had something to do with it, but that that's the who can figure out the NFL in a nutshell right there on that, right? Do you give Seattle that much credit? Yeah, still a good win. Still went out east. I mean, the Giants were with them for a while, and the Seahawks are that fourth down they didn't score on, fourth and goal. But, you know, still, you know what it is, TJ? It's a road win in the NFL. And even though the Giants put up a great effort against Denver the week before, you know, in front of a national televised audience at NBC, that, uh, you know, Seattle struggled for a while, but now they're, they're finding their groove a little bit. And uh, I, I can't really fault you if you go on the road and win in the NFL. Right. I just can't. And it wasn't pretty, but uh, it feels like Seattle's clicking now, and it's going to be a, a good two-horse race in that NFC West with the Seahawks and the Rams going forward. Well, I do like Houston, though, as that road team, like you're mentioning here, for a couple of reasons. One, I think Deshaun Watson, as we talked about earlier in the show, is fantastic. He's elusive. Uh, Seattle's got injuries on that defense. Uh, right now, already put Cliff Averill on injured reserve. They've got a couple of other injuries as well. Uh, the Seahawks, they do it with Russell Wilson on guts. Um, he makes some huge throws at key times. Their offensive line has had problems. We saw the blow up on the sideline with Doug Baldwin getting in the face of Tom Cable, the offensive line coach, and shoving him. I, I just, I like Houston here in the spot getting five and a half points. I don't know that they win the game, but I think this could be a narrow loss or maybe a Texans upset. So I will take them off the bye week. In this matchup with the Seahawks, I will go Houston Texans for my third and final underdog. That leaves the floor for you with one final underdog in mind in the NFL. Which way are you going to go, Kevin Rogers? I'm going to go back to the NFC East with the late game, the Redskins and the Cowboys, and Dallas the short favorite in D.C. Dallas coming up from San Francisco. I thought it was expected after the two home losses to the Rams and Packers where they were leading and then they blew it and they really needed to get that win over San Francisco and they got it in convincing fashion. Now they're going to Washington to face a Redskins team coming off a short week, losing at Philadelphia, losing to the Eagles for the second time. So now they are a little desperate to get their first divisional win of the season. This is a, a really tough stretch for the Redskins coming up. They already played Philadelphia. They have Dallas. They go to Seattle next week. They got Minnesota at home. They go to New Orleans after that. So, you know, Washington season can really go up in flames very quickly if things fall apart. Now, the Redskins, they have had their problems with Dallas at home. They've lost the last four years to the Cowboys at FedEx mm. Field. But, uh, you know, at the same time last year, they lost the two games by a combined 10 points. So they hung around with the Cowboys in the two matchups. I just think that Washington here, that they, you know, they get Dallas going back on the road a second straight week. The Redskins, you know, this is a team that, against good competition, look, they've hung with the Eagles twice. They hung with the Chiefs on the Monday night game. They beat Oakland, who we really don't know what they are now. They beat Oakland convincingly. They went out to L.A. and they beat the Rams. Like, they have some decent wins on their resume, and they held off San Francisco at home, I think that Washington's a little better than people think. Now, let's just see what they're made of, where the Cowboys, yeah, a couple things swing their way. They have a much better record, but the fact is, this isn't last year's team. And I don't know when Ezekiel Elliott's going to be suspended because he keeps coming back every single week. <laughs> but uh, you know, he's coming off you know, that, that really good performance last week against the Niners, and you know, the Redskins obviously have the key on him. But I think that Washington... 
back at home this week. This is a major spot for them to get on track before they go to Seattle next week. I'll take the points with the Redskins. I think we need Ezekiel Elliott, Roger Goodell, in Judge Judy's courtroom to just get this resolved one way or the other. Is he suspended or not? Uh, but, man, the, the 49ers wish he was suspended after that game last week where he was highly motivated. And how about the Kevin Rogers stat that the Cowboys have won the last four times at FedEx Field? Let's see if that trend continues, but Kevin is going to take the Redskins as his third and final underdog. All right, sir, we've got the World Series going on as we speak. We, we've got uh, the college, the NFL, the NHL, the NBA, and so much more, and you've got it all at VegasInsider.com. Tell them more. I feel like Linda Blair and the Exorcist right now with my head <laughs> spinning around with all these sports going on. But, uh, but no, it, it's a very good time, October, with five sports ongoing and baseball is going to wrap up in the next week or so with this world series but you know it's so busy but it's also a good thing because a lot of things going on you know like you mentioned nba and nhl along with the football and you can check out everything every week we have all of our previews for the thursday night game for the nfl the the sunday night game for i have my pick six column which i highlight six games to give out my best bets for those also for college football, our SEC notebook, our other conference notebooks, you can look at those as well and our live odds that we have on the page to keep you updated. And we're open all the time, as you know, 24-7, VegasInsider.com. You can check us out on Twitter at TwitVI. Follow Kevin Rogers as well at VI Rogers. He's a great follow on Twitter. Uh, our thanks also to our guest, Sal Capaccio, with me from the Buffalo Bills radio broadcast and WGR Radio in Buffalo. And uh, he actually had a couple of underdogs for us, likes the Bears against the Saints, and college likes uh, Boston College in that Friday night game with Florida State to win the game outright against the, the Seminoles, who are struggling as they are. Again, you can follow Sal at Sal Sports. You can follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. We welcome your predictions, your underdog predictions. Time stamp away. Anybody that comes up with those three underdogs, we're going to give away some Smack Apparel gear, one of our sponsors. Uh, the Smack Apparel stuff is great at smackapparel.com. You've got a chance to win some of it. If you can document that you pick three underdogs correctly uh, before the game's on this weekend on Saturday and Sunday. As always, if you're hearing the show later in the weekend, you may have some idea on an NFL Sunday how we did on Saturday and as Saturday is unfolding or Sunday is unfolding. Uh, obviously, you may have some idea on who's gotten what right so far on the show, but that's the uh, that's the situation as we do the show earlier in the week for Thursdays on Three Dog Thursday. Kevin, I always enjoy being with you. We're done for October. Can you believe that? I get to say Happy Halloween to you, and we'll talk to you in November on the next edition of Three Dog Thursday. Absolutely, TJ. Thank you very much. There is Kevin Rogers. I'm TJ Reeves. This is the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs in college football and the NFL. It is Three Dog Thursday. We'll talk to you next week. Chris Landry inviting you to join me for Landry Football Podcast every Tuesday and Thursday. We'll give you the coaching and scouting angle to the college and NFL game. Film breakdowns, scouting reports, X's and O's, the latest inside scoop, coaching search information. We've got it all for you. I'll take my experiences as a coach and a scout and bring it to you, the fan, to give you access to the best football information on the college and pro level. Join us at LandryFootball.com. And remember, the Landry Football Podcast right here, as well as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>